three, two, one. Hey everyone, welcome to Games Are Fun, the weekly video game podcast that discusses video game news, stories, and all the biggest topics in the video game industry. My name is Luke Armstrong and I'm your host. Joining me today is my co-host, Adam. How's it going today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, Adam's joining me, but we also have a special guest on today's episode. Uh, Joining us is a fellow kind of funny best friend, Kyle. Kyle, thanks for joining us today. How's it going? Hey, yeah, it's going great. So I reached out uh, to the Kind of Funny community to kind of see if there was any other people who wanted to join in on the podcast. And uh, Kyle reached out to me, uh, said he was interested in being on the show. And so, yeah, all three of us as kind of fellow Kind of Funny best friends uh, have joined together to do today's episode. So it's kind of neat. Um, Adam and I also met uh, through Reddit, <laughs> through uh, similar circumstances and stuff. So it's just kind of another great example of just how that community kind of brings people together. So anyways, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. Um, so before we, so today we're going to be talking about uh, Apple Arcade and we're going to also be talking to some possible competition that Apple Arcade is going to have and that is Google Play Pass. So um, this isn't new news. Uh, it's been flowing around for a while now that Google Play has a kind of a service that is going to compete with Apple Arcade. And so we're just kind of going to talk about that and have a general discussion about the two uh, subscription services, what each one kind of has to offer, maybe some differences and what our general thoughts are around these new you know, mobile subscription services. And then we're going to just transition to talking about what games we've been playing. Uh, there's three of us on the show today, so that's a lot of games I'm sure to cover and talk about. So I know I have a, a couple games and Adam does as well. So yeah, we'll just end off the show with uh, those games. Um, before we get all, to all of that, just a reminder that the podcast is available every Tuesday on all the major podcast platforms. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Basically, just search for Games Are Fun on whatever podcast service you use. And it should pop up on there. I believe we're on 11 different podcast services, so there's a pretty good chance that you'll be able to find us. Um, if you enjoy this show, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to it on. And if you are listening on to Apple Podcasts, make sure you leave a review if you enjoy the show. Those reviews go a really long way to kind of just help get the show noticed and everything. So um, those would be greatly appreciated. Now, before we get into talking about today's big topic, I had some questions for you, Kyle. These are kind of just questions that I like to ask everybody who comes onto the show. We've had, you know, a handful of guests and they're not just, I try to make them a little more creative than like, what's your favorite video game and stuff. So uh, tell me a little bit about your history with video games. You know, how long have you been playing video games for? Uh, What are some consoles you've owned growing up? Favorite consoles, first consoles, that kind of stuff. Alright, so I've been playing games since I think I was about four years old, and my first console was the NES. So pretty much my entire life at this point, I've been playing games. I think I've owned every console, mostly in every generation. I got a PS3 one time, but I think that was probably my least used console. Uh, one of my favorites that I don't think gets enough love is the GameCube. I think the GameCube yeah. is probably the most underrated console. 
ever. Yeah. Um, so many <laughs> sure. great games on there. Uh, the controller, I think it's fantastic. It's perfect for... I still have one that I play with my Switch. And it just works for every game. So, yeah. Um, the GameCube and pretty much just everything. Currently, I have every system. So, yeah. Awesome. Is there... Specific kind of games, like genre of games that you're kind of more attracted to or played a lot growing up? Yeah, so I'm really, really uh, attracted and interested in JRPGs. Awesome. So I played a lot of... Uh, Tales of Symphonia is my favorite game of all time. I know that wasn't one of your questions, but it's a fantastic JRPG for the GameCube. It is on Steam now. And it was on the Wii. It's been on PlayStation in a collection. Uh, but, yeah, JRPGs in general, uh, Final Fantasy, um, really turn-based things. Uh, Pokemon, huge into Borderlands, really big into... Um, uh, I was big into FIFA for a while, but kind of fallen off that train. Sure, yeah. 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 So mostly, mostly JRPGs is what I'm really really into uh fire emblem when it came out this i know it's not a like traditional jrpg it's more of a strategy role playing sure, game yeah. um but man that game <laughs> put over 100 hours in it and it is fantastic it is a really good game yeah i still have which yet. uh which which house did you choose oh i be all four roots but oh wow! <laughs> I'm yeah, but I'm a uh, Blue Lions. Uh, they okay. I believe that they are the best ones. So you've completed. Sorry, you've completed. I I have yet to play the game. I'm I'm, I've joked on the show many times before. When it comes to anything Japanese, I that's kind of my blind spot in gaming. But so with Fire Emblem, you've played all three houses, like complete the entirety of them. Yes. So oh I started with <laughs> I started with Blue Lions. And then that took me about 45 hours, yeah. then I went to Golden Deer, then I went to Black Eagles, and then there is a fourth route, um, but I won't go into like how you get sure, there. Sure, okay, yeah. But yeah, there is a fourth route, and I've completed that as well. Maddening mode is out now, and I do want to get back to it and at least do one playthrough on that. Nice. Wow, that's awesome. I, I have to that's give awesome, you credit because, yeah, yeah that, uh, that's a lot of content to go through. <laughs> um, okay, one last question for you. Um, so a lot of the times on this show, we kind of talk about like video game memories and some of the things, memories we associate with video games and stuff like that. So is, again, this is a little more specific of a question. So no sweat if you can't think of an, an answer, but is there a video game related memory from your past that you are really fond about? Yeah, uh, I mean, there's a few. Um, I used to play Super Mario Brothers 3, which is just probably, I think, my favorite Mario game. Yeah. But I used to play that a lot as a kid, and my dad actually he would b borrow my Game Boy that I would play it on. Oh, okay, yeah. And he would, he would give, it a, give it a go, and then we would just go back and forth playing like that. Um, and that was, that was really fun. Um, all the games growing up playing with my brother, we did a lot of co-op or just two-player games. That was really big for us. Yeah. Cool. That, that's awesome. I love, I love to hear that kind of stuff. Um... Awesome. Well, 
it sounds like you you probably would have a lot in common with Adam. You, I'm assuming just based on your guys's gameplay history, you're probably around the same age, and you guys are both into JRPGs, so you can pick up the slack <laughs> where where I kind of fall fall back. Because I I, I I always joke that like I I really appreciate JRPGs and you know just how expansive a lot of them are, but that's also one of the reasons why. I generally haven't really been into them is because they're such big games and I just I'm always so intimidated to jump into them but uh, within the last like this generation I would say I'm, I'm much more familiar with them so cool cool um, great well with that being said let's move into our big topic and that's Apple Arcade versus Google Play Pass so we've talked about our Apple Arcade on the show before Adam has had a chance to kind of check it out. Are, are, are Have you checked out Apple Arcade, Kyle? I'm familiar with it, and I'm familiar with Google Play Pass. Oh, I okay. haven't checked out either of them. Fair enough. Just because neither really appeal to me as what I'm looking for in an experience. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Uh, yeah, for my myself, I haven't checked out either. Um, and I also wanted to try Google Play Pass, but I'm in Canada, and it's only available in the States which is kind of something I'm, I'm used to at this point. But um, yeah, what basically what I wanted to talk about with you guys is kind of let's, let's compare some of the Apple Arcade versus Google Play Pass. So Adam, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, let's start off by talking a little bit about just comparing the two for face value, talking about you know, what they have to offer, price points, and that kind of stuff. So... Yeah, so they're both pretty similar in kind of what they offer in that they are two services that are focused on indie games. Um, Apple Arcade, it is free for the first month. Uh, it's $5 a month after that. And uh, Google Play Pass is free for 10 days. And then currently they're running a promotion where it's, I think, 2 bucks for a uh, two bucks a month for a year um, if you take advantage of that promotion. Otherwise, I think it's also $5 a month, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Um, the In terms of games that are offered, the, the main thing that I've noticed is Apple Arcade has their newer games. So these are things that may not be out on console yet. Um, so you might be able to kind of get first touch with them through Apple Arcade. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty decent selection, although it's it's not uh, their their menus are just garbage. Uh, it's really hard to find some of the games that are on there. Um, yeah, like NeoCab. I didn't even know it was on there until uh, the other night, and you Where know you that's something that they really probably the should have Nintendo Switch and then realized that you could have <laughs> saved yourself some money by playing it on Apple. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a, a lot of great value there. A uh, ton of good games. Uh, again, Neo Cab being on there, one of them. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, they should have had it in big, bright, bold spotlights uh, as soon as you get onto the Apple Arcade page when sure, you go yeah. to the App Store, and it's just not. Um, I I had to just do an actual search to find the game because I couldn't find it in the menus, uh, which I thought was ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, Play Pass, on the other hand, has some really great titles on there. Stardew Valley is on there. Uh, Terraria is on there. Um, is it uh, Kotor? Kintu- Kintu- yeah, Kotor's yeah. on there. Yeah. Yep. So they have a ton of games on there. 
uh, really expansive games, games that you can play for a long time, replay value super high, um, highly acclaimed. Uh, the Really, the only downside to it is that the games that they have in that service aren't brand new, mm-hmm. um, like you're getting with Apple Arcade. So you're getting some older games, uh, but they're really great games. Whereas Apple Arcade has some great new titles, um, you know, that you might be able to try first there or save yourself a couple bucks from buying it on another system by being able to play it through that service. Yeah. Yeah. Both are really great um, kind of pros and cons with each, I guess. Yeah. The one thing I wanted to point out um, between the two that seems to be a big difference is I think there are. If maybe I'm mistaken, but when I looked on the, the apps are included with Google Play Pass. It's not just games. Yeah, yeah. And so there are some apps on there. Yeah. I didn't really take a look too much as to uh, what what's there. Most of them are like pro versions of some apps that you could get for free. So they're basically like ad free versions of of apps. Some of them right. that I saw were uh, like photo editing, video editing uh, apps, things like that. So uh, there's some pretty neat stuff in there. Yeah, that's uh, they're definitely taking some like obviously Apple Arcade, they they're they're stating what they want and that's it's a it's a game service, um, but it, it's it's obvious that Google's kind of trying to go for the same thing even though they do have a little bit of it's like it's so similar um, that again I'm not saying you know Apple is first or Google's copycatting you know a lot of these times companies just find these trends and 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 do things at the same time right but it's very interesting on how similar they are i guess but a lot of the times i would suspect that you know the the people that apple arcade is not going to be sold to people like myself who have an android like google's being going to be able to pick those people up right so uh, there's definitely an audience out there that needs to that wants something similar to that that maybe not might not have access to it but it's it's very interesting to me that they uh it, my initial impression of just when i heard about it is that yeah it sounds like google's version of apple arcade so um kyle was, oh, sorry go ahead yeah yeah that was my initial impression of it too that because i heard about apple arcade first mm-hmm. and then i heard google play pass and it sounded to me like google's response to apple's arcade yeah but when i look at the games and the things that apple are doing it seems like they're more focused and they have a direct like goal in mind with their service yeah whereas google play pass like one of the apps you can get there is accuweather like (laughs) (laughs) i mean i'm not to not to you know put down anyone who uses accuweather but (laughs) if i'm if i'm paying money for a service monthly or yearly or whatever it is I want like the best value and to me the Google Play Pass with you know it's got great games like Limbo, Kotor, all these things on it but a lot of those games are really old and I've probably played them at this point mm-hmm. like I, I played Limbo what seven years ago sure. at this yeah. point yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Apple Arcade is getting like new games that they're like paying people to mix directly for that service and that, to me, is something that if I was going to play games on my phone, that would be where I would go, I think, because I just want new games. I just want new experiences. I can get the old experiences where I already had them. Um, mm-hmm. 
But yeah, um, I think, but I think the value, like price wise, I think they're both in the correct range. Mm -hmm. I think charging any more than that for either one would be dooming the service on either platform. Yep. Yeah, no, I agree. The price point is definitely fair for what you're getting. I mean, I, I would pay that in a heartbeat just to not have ads and all the other garbage that generally comes with mobile games. Um, yeah. that in itself is, is good enough for me. If I, if I, you know, I'm not a big mobile gamer, but there are games that I would like to play. And if I found out that those games were included in a subscription base, maybe I would do that rather than buying the, the $5 game one time. Right. So yeah, the, I, I definitely agree with the fact that it just seems like they've compiled a bunch of popular games from the play store and, you know, basically put them under one subscription cost whereas apple arcade like you guys have said is definitely have has those exclusive ex exclusive um video games on there that you know what the golf neocabs games that were available to play weeks before they launched on pc or you know nintendo switch or any other consoles and stuff so that that's definitely a big big push that i think that they're trying to make and i suspect that as apple arcade kind of finds its its ground and basically is established itself i think we're going to start seeing games that <clears throat> excuse me that are completely 100 percent exclusive to apple arcade um just to you know just like any other platform that has exclusive tells just to drive more people to the service so i agree and i think that's the smart yeah. business move for them too totally yeah yeah i really like uh so far the the games that they've had on there really great you know it's kind of one of those things where there's a little something for everybody and and again the price point is is just right too and having that you know a full month of, of free access to uh get in there and try things out and kind of see uh you know what they have going on so yeah they did a really good job i mean there's a ton of variety like ocean horn too we kind of uh talked about on one of the other episodes like mm -hmm. that's a pretty cool you know full 3d zelda like game that you can play on there yeah so. Yeah, I like the, the direction they're going. So hopefully maybe Google down the road can maybe start pulling in some exclusives of their own to bring a little bit more value to their service. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the answer to this question, but I always wonder, it always seems like when a game, maybe for PC or for Switch or some of the bigger you know, home consoles, gets a port to mobile, it always seems like the first place that it goes to is ios and not always you know sometimes it'll go to ios and android right away but if i don't know is that just me that it always like does it, do you guys know a reason why that could be or i think it's just because ios is the it's the market share like yeah i mean everyone i know has an iphone right like is rare to find someone who's like yeah i have the google phone or sure something. i mean it happens occasionally but iPhone and iOS is just really what's dominating. And I think there might be something like that's easier to get it onto that store compared yeah. to Google Play. Right. Yeah, I I think that must be it. Um, I, I think you're totally right. Apple's owned the, the smartphone market for several years now. And even though I would argue that Android's definitely, you know, may caught up in the last several years there there's still you know several people that that rock an iphone and so they they're definitely gonna and even like 
besides that, right? There's also people that have iPads or MacBooks and mm-hmm. Apple Apple mm-hmm. TVs and that kind of stuff. And that this is a service that can also cater to those people as well. Um, do we know if Google Play is, I, from my understanding, it's only available like on devices that would support the Play Store, I'm assuming? I believe that is the case. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, I'm not 100% sure myself. I just, I downloaded it or tried it out on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure. I don't have like any Android tablets or anything yeah, um, yeah. in my house to try it out on. Yeah, I, I'm assuming so, right? Because it, it just like when I, even though it's not available in Canada, when I still brought it up to kind of see what it, it just opened up a tab for my, the Google Play Store or whatever like that. So I'm sure if you had that, on your device, you would probably be able to use this, but, um, you know, uh, Adam, what we were kind of talking earlier this week about Google play pass and some possible integration with Stadia. Did you want to expand a little bit more on that on some of your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as them kind of coming out of the gate and having a decent lineup, but with it being a little lackluster with some older games, uh, I think there could be potential. I don't know if it's in their plans at all, but there could be potential if they decide to kind of uh, find a way to incorporate um, Google Play Pass with Google Stadia. So maybe those that, that have Stadia will have access to uh, the Play Pass library or maybe some way to kind of vice versa, bring some of this stuff from Stadia over to uh, Play Pass to kind of uh, flesh out that lineup a little bit. So maybe there could be some sort of integration that... Um, We'll expand that and, and give it a little bit more value. Yeah, I think like with Stadia having the two, like your your Pro, Stadia Pro, and then your like basic, I don't know what it's called, the Stadia, like the, the plain version that's free. If they somehow included maybe, hey, if you're a Pro subscriber, you also get a free subscription to, you know, Play Pass or something like that, mm-hmm. right? They're, they're two products of Google, so it maybe makes sense, you know, it's not... Not something that hasn't been done before where big companies bundle, you know, different services in together. So, yeah, I, uh, it would be hard for me to kind of, like, especially somebody who's very interested in Stadia and wants to jump into Stadia right as it comes out. I don't know, like, if if Google Play Pass, you know, like, if, if I was able to buy triple-A type of games on my phone, even with the, the free pass, right? Why would I want to go play a mobile game, right? Maybe if it's something to do with internet connections and that kind of stuff, but mm-hmm. if I can play Doom Eternal as opposed to, you know, I don't know, some mobile game like Limbo or something like that, you know, I'm probably going to pick the pick the bigger game, right? So oh, I, sure. I'm wondering if that... It, well, I don't think it will have that much of an impact because I think those are two very different types of gamers, but I don't know. I think a thing there uh, is that I think you have to target the games that make sense for the platform too. Mm-hmm. Like you, like if I run Doom Eternal off my phone, my battery is probably going to die very quickly sure. compared to if I'm yep. playing something like that's a small indie game that you know doesn't run that much but i think that you guys are bringing up an interesting point about maybe down the road including it in a stadia subscription i don't see why google couldn't do that mm-hmm. yeah i mean like how many times has that happened before right where 
a company well you can you pay for the big surface service whatever that is and then you get access to other things like think of amazon prime right you're paying for not only free shipping and everything like that but you're also getting a whole bunch of other services with in, kind of included in it anything that's under that amazon umbrella right so yeah. Or even um, with Xbox and Game Pass and now Absolutely, Gold, yeah. you, can, yeah. you can get Game Pass yeah. Ultimate and it just includes both. Totally. Exactly. Yeah, so I think that's where, well, well I guess we'll just we'll have to wait and see how this kind of pans out. Uh, to be honest with you, from when Apple Arcade was first announced like earlier this year and then to the point where now people it's in people's hands and they're experiencing it, I honestly am pleasantly surprised with how, like, how how well it's kind of doing. Like, just hearing you, Adam, talk about some of the great games you've been able to check out um, is pretty neat. And so I, I honestly do think it's going to gain traction. And maybe a year from now, we will be talking about, you know, looking back at some of the success that it's had in the past year. So... All right, let's uh, let's move on to talking a little bit about what games we have been playing. So, Kyle, because you are our guest, why don't you tell us what what have you been spending your time playing recently? Oh boy! <laughs> so, I just checked my game clock actually about an hour ago, and I just hit about a hundred and twenty hours in Borderlands Three. Wow! Oh, wow. and. So, I'm, yeah, I'm a huge Borderlands fan. This is probably my game of the year. I know there's a bunch of small UI issues and some people are having some technical things, but I've been really lucky. I haven't really experienced any of those. Some occasional, like, hitch-ups, but nothing too major. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been playing that daily. <laughs> I, I get home, I eat dinner, and then I pretty much just play it until I go to bed. Yeah. It is so good. Did you play the, like, are you Borderlands fan? Did you play the previous entries? I have actually, and I've, so, I've played every Borderlands game, including Tales from the Borderlands. Yeah. And I have every achievement in every single oh one of them. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, that would, you, you are a fan, then. <laughs> yes, <laughs> including... <laughs> Including Borderlands 2 twice, because I bought it on 360 and got every achievement, and then I rebought the Handsome right. Collection yeah, yeah, on yeah. the one and got it again. That's awesome. I Borderlands is one of those games that I totally understand why people really like it. I've only played portions of the first game myself, and I think I was just... It probably caught me at a, a bad time of just, you know, I, I had other things going on, didn't have the time to put into the game and so as you know the second one came out and then here we are with the third one and then obviously some spin-off games i just kind of got to that point where even like when seeing borderlands 3 get revealed and watching you know you know commentary gameplay and everything i'm like this game looks phenomenal but i just is it a game do you think that someone could jump into not really having any knowledge on the previous titles I do, mostly because the story is pretty self-contained. So Borderlands 1, the story is pretty bare, if there at all. You can read some of like the background lore and piece some things together, and then there's comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Borderlands 2 has a great story with Handsome Jack as one of the best villains in any game I've probably ever played. He's so yeah. likable, but also one of the worst 
people in the game. Absolutely. Um, yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, then they did the pre-sequel, which, thankfully, uh, this might be an unpopular opinion, I didn't care for the pre-sequel that much. I thought it was a fine game. I played it through one time, and then I put it down for a few years, and over the summer, in the anticipation of Borderlands 3, I went back and got every achievement in it, just to have that, you know, done. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did find myself enjoying it more after a few years of, you know, a break from that kind of game. But when Borderlands 3 came out, I was, and when it was revealed, I was so hyped. It was the most hyped thing I've been (laughs) for any game in years, probably. But the story in Borderlands 3, while good and does expand on the lore and the world of Borderlands that they've been building, and you know, you leave Pandora and you go to some other places in it, and you learn more backstory about like what previous Vault Hunters have done and a bunch of other things, it isn't so like complicated or like convoluted in any way to where, oh, I didn't play number two, so I have no idea what's going on. Like everyone is introduced in the game in a way where if you were seeing them for the first time, I feel like you would just be like, yeah, that's that's that character. I don't need to know anything more about them. Sure, yeah. Um, most, and I think that's mostly because the real appeal of the game is the like it's the loot loop mm-hmm. it's farming for better gear it's killing all the bosses it's beating everything in the game and then it's finding ways to break the game and you know, and when i say break the game i mean find the most overpowered builds possible <laughs> yeah. and just kill everything yeah and so i do think it is possible that if you haven't played one before but you see it and it appeals to you or you look it looks like something that you and some friends might enjoy i think it's definitely worth giving a shot mm-hmm. adam you've you played a little bit of borderlands 3 i think with one of your buddies yeah yeah we uh we did a uh, split screen co-op session for for a couple hours um just you know getting through um you know, a few scenarios, a couple quests here and there. Uh, I did play the first uh, two entries, but I didn't play the pre-sequel uh, or Tales from the Borderlands, but just had that small taste of Borderlands 3 um, and that co-op experience. And I think I mentioned on the, the show a couple weeks ago, I actually wasn't a big fan of it um, just because it was just more Borderlands in my eyes. Like, I liked the Borderlands games, and 2 was good. I, I 100% agree with, with Handsome Jack, that description that Kyle had. Um, so, so likable, but he's such a dirtbag at the same time. Like, <laughs> uh, it, it was it was really enjoyable. Um, so, you know, we were kind of playing split screen. We weren't really paying too much attention to the story. He'd already been through all that stuff anyway, so um, I... The story I can't really talk a whole lot about it, but it was just you know the the same core gameplay experience and you know it's it's a game that I sat down and played for a couple hours, but I feel like I had already played it before, um, just because it is so similar to the previous entries and um, it's not something I really felt the need to to want to go back and play. Yeah, I and I I get that, and I I've heard the uh, quote a lot that you know it's just more Borderlands, and. Well, you know, I, I agree with that. I think that's, you know, as being a huge part of, like, the Borderlands community and stuff, I think that's what a lot of us really just wanted. Like, that's what sure. we were looking for. Sure, yeah. Yeah, no, I and totally so get to, 
Yeah, so to us, we were just like, yes, this, thank you. Like, you updated everything, made all the quality of life improvements that we wanted, grappling, sliding. You know, it feels like a shooter in 2019. But then it still maintains, like, everything from previous Borderlands, except some of the humor, the loss of some writers in the seven-year gap or so did definitely affect some of the writing, and it is noticeable. Um, some of the voice actor changes, like Reese, for example, mm-hmm. is not being able to be voiced by Troy Baker. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, that's, as someone who really loved his character in Tales from the Borderlands, that's something that I was just like, this guy's good, but I don't know, he's just not, like, hitting that same, that same tone for me. Um, but, yeah, no, I, de- I definitely get it when people are like, yeah, it's just more Borderlands. And then, you know, they play it and then move on. Um, for me, you know, it's a game that I, I play. I'll play this excessively for the next few years probably. Just getting every character to max level, getting all the side quests and playthroughs and legendaries, and then just finding perfect builds for every character. Like, that's, that's the stuff, the min-maxing that I really love. Mm. Yeah, and I totally get that too because, I mean, um, you know, you have recent games that have come out, you know, um, think like Spider-Man, for instance, just came out on, on PlayStation 4, you know, last year. And that's a game if they brought out Spider-Man 2 and it was basically, you know, the same thing, same kind of gameplay loop, I'd be all about it because I love that game so much. So, yeah, I totally understand, like... um you know, there being a group of people that just want more Borderlands, like, and especially because it's been so long since the last one, you know, it's, it's been kind of teased a couple times and, um, you know, and, and now it's finally time, it's finally happening. So I to- totally get that. Yeah. Quick shout out to Spider-Man PS4. It is the best uh, Sony exclusive, hands down, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I think I'd have to agree with that looking back at this generation well i don't know like I'm a, I'm a big fan of the last of us but just thinking of like man yeah that game just it was so fun that i it was one of those games that i picked up and just kept playing and couldn't stop yes. playing until i did everything <laughs> and platinumed it right i, I bought kind of it oh so, okay, sorry you can go I was just going to say, it was one of those games that, like, I I was sort of in a phase where I'd sit down and I'd play a video game for, you know, an hour or two, and I'd end up falling asleep while I was playing. And then I got Spider-Man, and that all changed. Like, I couldn't put it down. Like, I was was thinking about it when I wasn't playing it. Yeah, exactly. When I was playing it, like, I couldn't. I couldn't stop. Yeah. And um, it was really just an amazing experience. They did such a good job with that. I actually bought the... Spider-Man PlayStation 4 Pro Ooh, nice. with nice. the game and that was my I hadn't bought a PlayStation 4 before that, that so that was my first Ooh, wow. yeah. PS4 oh, wow. this generation Yeah, and I knew it was coming so I was just waiting for it and then I got it and I platinumed the game <laughs> and I got every trophy and all the DLC I haven't gone back through on like the higher difficulties but man do I want to yeah I I when I saw Far From Home, I had this urge to kind of go back. I had I've actually I missed out on the DLC. It was one of those things that I was totally I'm totally still on board, but I just got so backlogged with other stuff that I never went back. But after I saw Spider-Man this year, I was just like I I wanted to I, I wanted to go back and just immerse myself back in that world again. 
Yeah. Yeah. Just talking about it makes me want to. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, all right. Let's uh, let's kind of like go around the table. We can all just kind of rather than just all talking at once. Let's just share a game and then we'll move to the next person. So Adam, why don't you talk about one of the games you've been playing? Um, sure. So uh, I mentioned it a little bit last week. Um, was Oxen Free? I finished it up this week. And it was a really great, a really great game. <clears throat> I Luke, I was texting you about it because I knew you'd played through it before mm-hmm. and kind of sharing our experience a little bit. And you know, there's multiple endings and different things you can do. It's kind of funny. Um, I was so stressed about you know something that happened sort of like midway through the game <laughs> yeah. and uh, the the way things play out. It it kind of came together then at the end, and I didn't feel quite so bad. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it was a really great game. It was it had some you know spooky elements to it, um, but you know again I, I think I said before like the, the graphics are just so charming and uh, the writing's really good. The the voice acting was really good, and um, you know the interactions with the people you can kind of get them to really like you or really hate you and um, you know kind of different little branching things that you can do. It was a really good game. I had a lot of fun with it. I kind of want to go back through and try and see if I can get. Uh, maybe a better ending than the sure, one that, yeah. that I received. And um, yeah, it was just all around fun. And it, it was on Game Pass. So I didn't, you know, it, it was one of those things like I didn't have to go out and spend a lot of or a lot of extra money on, um, you know, as, as much as the developer absolutely deserves, um, you know, the money and everything. It was just nice, you know, being a gamer on a budget, having that at my disposal with Game Pass. So. Yeah. Definitely looking forward to uh, After Party 2 coming out later this month. Yes, yeah. I keep forgetting about that that, that game's coming out because I remember like hearing about After Party such a long time ago and just thinking, when's it going to come out? When's it coming out? And then I just got tired to the point where I <laughs> forgot about it. And now that it's actually coming in a matter of days now, it's like, it's pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, Oxenfree is... I I really I you know I spoke on the show a little bit about my experience with it last last episode and it's one of those games that I think just does a really good job at character development and stuff because you have so many different characters and and you can kind of build those relationships with those characters however you kind of want depending on you know what dialogue choices you do and for me like as I'm going to be talking about a little bit with NeoCab that's one of my favorite you know things in games is being able to make the decisions for the protagonist and everything like that and then when you mix that in with the fact that the story for Oxenfree like I did not expect it to be kind of a an eerie spooky game again I don't want to get into spoilers or anything but it it had it has that element to it that I just did not expect and it was a nice surprise when you kind of are starting to unravel those kinds of aspects of the game so Kyle have you ever played Oxenfree I haven't so yeah no Oxenfree and a bunch of like those games like that just kind of slip under my radar Mm -hmm. a lot of the time yeah Yeah. and it's not that I don't like look at them and think oh yeah that looks like fun it's just that I don't know I just never get an urge like that's never a mood that I'm in yeah Uh, but if it's on Game Pass I I don't know maybe I'll check it out I have Game Pass yeah, I think it, honestly, I think it's also a, a good time of year to play that kind of game because yes. it's just yeah, like, totally, yep. yeah, it has that, <laughs> that tone to it that 
lines up with you know Halloween and everything like that. So it's definitely not everybody's cup of tea. I think you have to be a gamer who really likes um, story or narrative driven games, you know, that don't really spend a lot of time on gameplay and, you know, doing things, you know, I don't want to say walking similar because there is, there is a little bit more to it than that, but you know, it is, it's definitely that the focus is the story and the characters. So. Yeah. And I will say too, that I, you know, two years ago, two and a half years ago, somewhere in there, like I, I would have said the exact same thing, you know, just that, you know, these narrative games just aren't my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. Um, but then the, the game that really kind of opened my eyes to these experiences was, it was actually, um, what remains of Edith Finch, uh, also on game, game pass. Yeah. So another highly recommended. And, and that game was just so great. It was, it's one of those things. It's, it's a bite-sized game. You can do it in one sitting and it has just a fantastic story to tell. And, um, I mean, in the case of, Edith Finch, there's multiple stories to tell. And it was just so great the way it kind of immerses you in those different stories. And so it kind of opened my eyes to those type of games. From there, I ended up playing Life is Strange, uh, the uh, first season of that. Yeah. And then Oxenfree came up and then um, Neocab, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And, um, you know, so it's they're starting to come in more. I, I like them as small kind of doing one or two sittings and just have a really great story. So how would you, how would you compare it story, like gameplay wise, I guess, to uh, Life is Strange? That's one of the first games that got me really into just those story-based games that don't focus so much on gameplay and do tell a narrative. And I love Life is Strange. I really liked a lot of the Telltale games too. Is it similar? Is it different? Like... What, what, so, what it, yeah. Uh, so Edith Finch is a little bit more the the walking sim type of game, except um, it it changes things on you. Like you're not playing the. I, I don't want to. Like I'm trying not to get spoilery here. Um, yeah. But you're kind of walking through, and the game kind of tells the story of other people, and you're kind of experiencing it yourself. And in these stories, you have different, um, you know, some are just different art styles altogether and some are different kind of, they, some of them have like their own special kind of mechanics to it. Um, so it kind of the, the way that it changes as you play and it's, it's not the same experience throughout the whole thing. So that's kind of what I like about it. Um, there's not really any decision making in, in Edith Finch. You're just kind of experiencing everything. So if you really liked, you know, the, um, you know, the, the time abilities that you get with Life is Strange or um, the re- like you making the decisions. Edith Finch isn't really like that, but as in terms of like the narrative and the storytelling, uh, it's definitely a strong narrative game. Like the, the story is really great. Yeah, yeah, and for Oxen Free being, again, very similar to, I would say, all the games we've been talking about here, um, I would say... You would probably understand Oxenfree a little bit more with the sense that there's dialogue options that, you know, depending on your choices can result in different things, just like Life is Strange or The Walking Dead games and stuff. So if you like that kind of thing, then you'll like Oxenfree, but what it doesn't have that, you know, what remains of Edith Finch or Life is Strange has is that like exploration of learning through things through you know stuff you find in the environment there's a little bit of that but i would say because it is like a 2d 
um, you know, kind of 2D perspective and stuff. It's not as immersive as those other games, in my opinion, at least. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree with that. Cool. Yeah, uh, I think, like, once you play a narrative-driven game like that that really just focuses on story and characters and doesn't care about things you have to do in the game or, you know, the mechanics of it, once you kind of find a couple games that do a really good job at providing, like, a really great experience, yeah, you get that bug of just wanting to have more experiences like that because those experiences are so impactful or so emotional or whatever like that's for me why i would consider that genre to be one of my favorite genres actually is just because i i don't know i just like you like you said adam like you can play it in one sitting it's like coming home from work maybe i don't really feel like playing maybe i'm you know eating something and i just kind of want to like sit back and watch a movie but something a little bit more interactive than that so yeah talking about those kinds of games i'm gonna talk a little bit about neocab so neocab is a game that i think i first saw at a nintendo direct and basically sorry i I should set this up that i actually reviewed neocab i got a review copy and reviewed it for king gamer so a link to my review is up on my twitter and everything and i'll also throw it down in the show notes in case you're interested and what I had to, what I wrote about it. Um, but if you want to hear what I have to say about it, well, here it is. <laughs> basically, <laughs> Neocab is a game where it's basically a, a sci-fi futuristic setting. And you are one of the last remaining drivers for hire um, in this city, this big metropolis, I guess. And basically, the best way to think of it, of course, I could have put this in my review, but... Think of like Uber slash cyberpunk or something like that. That It's this future where basically everything's all about automation and artificial intelligence and, um, you know, mixed in with you are an Uber driver. So basically the gameplay really consists of is you are, you go to this new city and you are moving in with a friend that you had a falling out with, but you've kind of reconnected and you decided to to move in together because you're kind of going through a little bit of a struggle mentally. And so you're you're looking for this new fresh start, but you move to a city that is, is really big. So all this artificial intelligence and technology is kind of immersed in everything. And so uh, it also is really hard for you because you are a neocab driver, like an Uber driver. And this city is uh, basically trying to go driverless. So they have this organization called Capra that is basically trying to more or less have complete control of the city. It would be in comparison, I would say like some company like Amazon or Google just getting their hands into politics and, and that kind of stuff, right? And they have things like driverless cars and, you know, all these things that basically make your life pretty awesome and simple, but they also are in, in you know there's that moral question of in, in how much do i information do i give them you know there's privacy concerns around that kind of stuff so basically in this your your job is picking up passengers in the city and 
during the rides, I, sorry, I should note that you don't actually drive the cars. It's all just, you're basically like a camera pointed into the, the front windshield of the Neo cab. And you, yeah, you, your character Lena is the driver and you interact with these people. And that's kind of the best part of the game is these interactions you have with these customers that you pick up they really you really don't know what you're kind of getting yourself into you can have somebody who is going to be very talkative and chatty and really polite and friendly and then you could also pick up somebody who's belligerent or drunk or you know all those things that real cab drivers would probably have to to worry about on a daily basis so and then in in the story like obviously these passengers some are inputted just to kind of take a break away from the story and then others play a specific role into the plot you kind of find that they're connected into the the story um again it's not really a spoiler because it's included in the description of the game on like the the steam store or something but basically the, your friend that you moved in with to goes missing and so you're kind of trying to track down what happened to her and in this process you kind of find out more about this capra organization and this group called radix that is basically a rebel group that is trying to stop Capra. So yeah, um, Adam, I'll give you a chance. I'll just kind of close out my thoughts of it. Uh, basically, I so I uh, rating on my review, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I really, really enjoyed it um, for some of the reasons I've already mentioned. Uh, I really liked the, the comparison it draws to our, our real life, true life, like the world we know and how we use technology and everything like that there's kind of it's almost like it breaks the fourth wall a little bit with some of the the services or apps you use in in saying like here's what you know like a great example is it's no mystery that when we search on the internet and go on social media and stuff that they're tracking our kind of movements um you know cookies are a real thing uh, ads are targeted to specific groups of people, right? That's just common sense. We all know that that's the world we live in today. And taking that to the extreme, it's like they control what kind of things you will see on a billboard or they'll put your face on a mannequin, uh, in a window of a store. Right? So it's like, that's just one example of like, there's dozens and dozens of examples of things that we are already doing and things that are how we're already interacting with technology and how they basically could be taken to the extreme and like a hundred years from now or whatever, this is what it could look like. And it's a little bit scary to be honest. So that, that was the biggest reason why I really enjoyed it. And then obviously just the interactions with the characters were really fun. Um, I did come into a couple little things that were irritating. Um, it sounds like Adam, you had more experiences with these things, but I'll touch on one I had. Basically, you eventually you choose who you get to go and pick up, and there is a select number of premium members, and so you have to have a five star rating to pick them up. Because after every ride you give, they give uh, a review just like Uber, and if you don't have a high enough rating, you can actually get deactivated. And so I remember. I, I think I got like a three out of five stars. It's pretty easy to get five stars, I would say, but there was one customer that gave me three out of five. So my rating dropped to like 4.5 or something. And then I started one night uh, of a shift and I pulled up the map and the only passenger available was a five star premium 
member. There was no, no other things to interact with on the map. And so I'm thinking, okay, what, what's, what do I do here? Like, and there wasn't even, I literally had to, I couldn't figure out, there was no way around it. I was basically stuck and I had to reload an earlier save state, uh, redo a ride with, I, I picked a different passenger that would have, be easier to interact with. And I got that five-star rating so I could pick up that passenger and, you know, not encounter that roadblock again. But that was kind of a piss off, right? Like I'm playing the game, enjoying it. Sure, I went back and maybe improved my score, but I also, I was totally okay with how that interaction went with that other customer. So why should I have to go back? So again, I don't know if it was intentional or a technical glitch, but um, that there's a couple hiccups here and there from a technical perspective, but ultimately it's a really flush out game. Like I, like I said, I gave it a nine out of 10. I really liked it. I would say it's probably my favorite indie game of the year so far. Maybe not quite as good as Katana Zero, but I, I really enjoyed it. So, uh, Adam, I'll, I'll pass it back to you. What did what did you think of it? So I wasn't as high on this game as you were. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it for the most part. It's, um, I, I ran into, I think, some more technical issues than you did. For one, I kept getting soft-locked through discussion where I would choose a dialogue option, and then it just wouldn't come off the screen. And then the text that the uh, that the character was saying then wouldn't leave the screen. So it wasn't allowing me to progress anywhere. Uh, so I, I, because of that, I had to replay a lot of these, these driving scenarios. And I would, it did kind of give me an opportunity to try different dialogue options to see if I could get an option that wouldn't soft lock it on me. And uh, in doing so, I found that the decisions kind of felt like they didn't matter too much because they ended up kind of going down the same path anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a little frustrating, I guess. I did find out later towards the end of my playthrough, go figure, that um, in the settings, if you turn on the – there's an option to where the, the dialogue boxes will automatically mm-hmm. uh, move to the next one um, so that if you just wanted to read and not worry about pressing buttons or anything – Um, you could kind of do that a little bit more. So I I turned that on and I did find that that fixed it because in those events where the dialogue options didn't disappear, the text from the character did eventually go to the next line, which then moved things forward. So Mm. um, just a heads up, if you're playing it, keep the uh, the auto text scroll thing on so that you don't encounter that same thing. Um, The other issue that I had with it is you... Uh, Luke is is the field grid is that a spoiler do you think uh no I talk about it in my review okay I mean it's it's introduced right at the beginning of the game too is is essentially it's a bracelet that you wear that it's basically like a mood ring uh it can show physically show what emotion you're feeling at any given time and I found this to actually be a real hindrance to the game because you would get dialogue options throughout and there were some that I wanted to say to my the person riding my customer but i couldn't because i wasn't in the right emotional state to give that that thought uh which i found kind of frustrating and i get that they kind of want to give that a reason why because your character is very emotional so they're very tied to their emotional state and at the other hand i felt like i wasn't able to take the character in the way that i really wanted to and make them say the things that i wanted to um because of whatever mood i'm in and i found that very frustrating um, but some of the, some of the customers, I mean, were great you know, sometimes you hate them, but it, 
makes it, but it's kind of funny because mm-hmm. of the way they're acting and uh, other characters were, were great. Um, there was one in particular that I really loved that I won't say because they are kind of part of the story later yeah. on. Yeah. Um, but there were some that I really liked. There was one guy I picked up that I'm like, Oh gosh, like this is going to, this is going to be a crappy ride. And I actually ended up really liking, liking the ride that I had with him. So um, there is definitely some, some good stuff in there. Um, if, one of the reasons maybe I don't like it as much as like a life is strange or an oxen free or something is that you're literally just sitting in a car watching text scroll and choosing an option here or there. Mm-hmm. Whereas those other games, you can move your character around. You can interact with different things. Yeah. Um, you can explore a little bit more. There's zero exploration in this game, um, which was kind of a bummer, you know, that I never had control of the vehicle. I never really saw anything outside of the vehicle. Um, it felt very one dimensional. So, I mean, if I were to rate it, I'd, I'd probably give it like a seven and a half ish somewhere around there. It was a good game. Um, you know, if you can get it on something like an Apple arcade or, you know, if at some point it comes to like game pass or something like that, it's definitely worth a play. And, and even still, I mean, it's, it's, it's a good game. The developer deserves the money. So, um, I don't feel all that bad about actually buying the game and not playing it on Apple arcade. Cause I do like to support indie devs. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good game, not great, but um, some good experiences to be had for sure. How long overall do you think like your playtime was? Uh, it was maybe four or five hours, um, oh. maybe a little bit longer for me because I had to keep going back and replaying scenarios. So if I didn't have that, I probably you know four hours seems pretty reasonable. Yeah, I think yeah. I completed it three hours ish so yeah you can definitely like if you got an evening free you could definitely i would say play the whole game yeah i think it's uh it's definitely one of those games that yeah it's a it's a the best kind of genre to categorize as it's like a visual novel right like it's a game that you're just basically reading dialogue you're not really doing too much um and so yeah i i a lot of people aren't interested in that kind of stuff i when i have those games i i kind of just i i adjust my myself going into them that i know it's going to be you know and it's always tough the 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 one thing that i've been trying to get my head around is now that i'm kind of writing you know some some reviews here and there for this website i'm also we've gotten some codes for the the show before and in checking out some of these games, you almost like, would I judge this game differently if I paid 30 bucks for it? Would I have judged it differently if I played it on Apple Arcade? You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to, I'm, I, when I'm reviewing the games and I'm, I'm trying to be as, when I play them, go into them with that mind of, you know, am I liking this? What, what are the reasons I'm liking this? And what are the things that I'm not liking? And would that be fair based on my circumstances in playing this game, right? Having not paid for it, that kind of stuff. It's it's definitely tricky and I'm still trying to get my head around it. But for me, uh, I really liked it, would recommend it. Um, but if you don't like those kinds of games, you're not going to, I don't think it's going to do anything for you for sure. So, okay, Kyle, do you have any other games that you've been playing? I do, just one other one though. Sure. So it's pretty different than those ones. Um, so my friends and I have been playing Plants vs. Zombies 
Battle for Neighborville, I think okay, is what it's yeah, called. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it's I I might be wrong, but I think it's still in like the you pay to play it early, but everything's still being balanced and not everything's out yet. Oh, okay. And so I've played we we played a lot of the Plants vs Zombies, Garden Warfare, and Garden Warfare Two. And so you know it, we check this out. It's not it's not a sixty dollar game. I think it was just thirty bucks. If you have EA access, it's even less. Yeah. And it's a lot of fun. It's a you know it's a lot of what the Garden Warfare games were. You know you're either on the plants team or you're on the zombies team, and there is like a story mode, but it's not great. <laughs> sure. Uh, the the PvP is really where the yeah. game is the best, and you choose one of those at the start, so zombies or plants. The issue is that there is such an imbalance, I would say 70% of the time, between teams and some of the characters are just flat out either broken or completely worthless. Oh, really? To the point where, like, you have 10 characters to, like, choose from on, like, a team. Yeah. But only three of them are any good. Um, so, like, I'm play- I play on the plants, and I feel if I don't use the citron, the acorn, or one of the... Or, um, I'm trying to think of it. The mushroom, the mushroom is overpowered, <laughs> like, a ridiculous amount. Yeah. The dude goes, he goes invisible, and he just one-shots 90% of the enemies <laughs> in the game that he fights with a ridiculous ninja move. And you can't see him coming, so if you're not one of those like three characters on plants, you're probably just dead. And then on zombies, it's pretty much the same thing, it's just different characters. And so, it's fun, but it gets to that point where, you know, do I want to spend an entire evening fighting a team of seven people running around as mushrooms, sure, invisible, yeah. Yeah. just trying to kill me like that but then there are games and there's good stretches of games because i think you know it's mostly children playing this that you know we win 50 to 3 or 50 to 5 <laughs> yeah and it's not even close it's a complete yeah. like wash and those are fun but at the same time it's not like it's not like i had a tough game that improved me as a player it's just that the other team was so bad that I could have looked away and still won. So I think EA has a lot of balancing issues to sort out in that game. I think there's a lot of potential in it, just because they did have a lot of success with the previous two games. And then the map variety, there's I think there's four maps in the game right now. Ooh. Might three or four. Yeah. One of them is straight broken as well because it's just it's completely unbalanced the sight lines don't make any sense if one team captures up this one point on the map they're pretty much invulnerable and you can't get them out and you lose the game so they need to fix that issue there's some xp bugs like you can boost your character's level as the citron by just holding the shield in front of your teammates while they're getting shot out even if you're not actually getting shot hmm. you still get a bunch of experience i think i boosted my citron from the base level 
to almost the master rank in, I don't know, three hours. It's really just a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, it's a, it's a fun game. Would I say that it's worth the money right now? Probably not. I would say wait until they get a lot of the issues fixed. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, uh, me personally, I, I play, I've played Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare, both the first one and the second one. Uh, just through EA Access, having a subscription to that, seeing that there are a couple games in the vault, and then, you know, trying to find some games that if my nephews come over, we can play. And so uh, I actually caught myself playing the f- one of the Garden Warfare, the first or second, whatever, for like, yeah, I would say I had a, a whole night to myself, and rather than playing any game, I chose Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare for whatever reason. I had a surprisingly <laughs> good time with it. I was impressed while by how like the pvp stuff was way more way more than i expected i guess um but when i heard about this game i i didn't see like i'm even just hearing you bring it up is surprising because i i heard that there was something coming out but in terms of like marketing and i haven't even really heard any information on this game so i wonder why because it is a, I would say it's a pretty well-known IP. They had the mobile games and stuff, but yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think at this point, the Garden Warfare series. I think if they had named it Garden Warfare Three, it would have Done been better. Game. Yeah. But I think another issue was that they announced the like beta or pre-alpha or something, early access for just Plants vs. Zombies 3, the mobile game, the Mm. tower defense one, yeah, yeah. like three weeks before they announced this one, and I think a lot of people just got them mixed up, and there was a lot of overlap in dialogue, and people weren't sure what was what, but yeah, I don't know, I I haven't seen really anyone talk about this game, no one's... No one seems to be that high on it or highly recommending it. And, you know, I can't really blame them based off my experience with it. It's fun, but it's, you know, it's more of the same, but a broken more of the same at this mm-hmm. point. Now just looking it up, it says that the initial release date's October 18th, but like you said, I think it's um, probably in, like, the... So, like, are you, did you download this, like, through EA Access? No, so um, if you pay 30 bucks on Xbox right now, but if you have EA Access, it's like 26 or something, ah, I see. you can okay. play early, and uh, then they, gotcha. take, okay. they take all that data, and they're, it's supposed to help improve the final release. Right. And hopefully it does, because I think if they put out the game in its current state, they're not looking at great reviews or great commercial mm-hmm. success. Yeah. Yeah. I think this would be a game that ends up on EA Access within three months, and yeah. that's where it's going to just stay. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, I they probably decided to go along this, like, release, like, idea of, of it kind of... Like, it's basically a game preview, right? Like, we have the game preview program on Xbox where it's, like, here's the game, and then once it comes out, hopefully... Uh, yeah, they fix some of those bugs on those things that you've talked about, and once it's in more yeah, I hands, would, I would say it's more along the game preview lines mm-hmm. than it is 
early access, like people who pre-order get five days early. Right, it's definitely okay. more along the the preview program yeah, like lines. Like a beta, almost. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's uh, if it honestly, if it came came to Game Pass or like Game Pass or not Game Pass, EA Access does those ten hour free trials where you can like play ten hours worth of the game for free uh, before it comes to the. Because like you said, eventually it'll, it'll go to the vault and you'll be able to pay this, play this if you just have the subscription. But I'll, I'll probably check it out just because I, like I said, I have younger nephews and um, it is fun to just jump into games sometimes that might have a younger player base and just, like you said, destroy destroy yourself. Especially if you've, you know, been playing Call of Duty or something like that and getting your ass kicked. It's, <laughs> I, I have to say, it was pretty nice getting a couple wins that one night that I binged a lot of Garden Warfare, so. All right, Adam, do you have any other games that you wanted to talk about? Uh, sure, yeah, I have um, two left, but the uh, first one I'll talk about is actually uh, Florence, and this is a game that uh, Greg Miller had championed for the longest time, and I'm kind of like, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then uh, after I finished Oxenfree, I thought to myself, I'm like, I want, I want another like kind of little story experience. And I, you know, just remember, you know, him talking about this game so much. And not just him too, but like basically anybody that's played this game mm-hmm. has just like loved it. And it's a super short experience. You can digest it really quick. And so I thought I'd give it a, a try. Um, it was only a couple bucks. So I got it on my phone and, and played through and, uh, it's a really neat game. So you're just playing through the life of Florence. It starts out just any other day. And then you kind of go through another day and do a little bit more. And uh, the game is broken up into a bunch of different chapters, real short experiences. But each chapter is a little bit different as she kind of she meets a guy and they go through, you know, the different phases of a relationship. And um, <clears throat> the part that really kind of got my attention is when they're kind of like on their first date and you're trying to, you're basically putting little jigsaw pieces into a chat bubble to symbolize her talking to this guy. And Mm -hmm. as you go through the conversation, I'm thinking to myself, why are these, why is this little puzzle getting easier? And then it made, it clicked. I'm like, she's having an easier time talking to the guy. Like Mm, they're, they're clicking and they're, they're uh, getting to know each other better. So things are getting easier. It's not, like a complicated or awkward you know getting to know each other phase anymore and you know then you go through the other chapters and it's just kind of like a it's almost like a warioware type thing like the the gameplay bits are are so short um but they're so neat the way they kind of work with the the different phase that uh she's in with with what's going on in her life and um yeah i mean this game was probably less than an hour to play through it's only a couple bucks but it was really neat like there really wasn't any dialogue it was all just inference from what was going on what was happening and and the the music the way Mm -hmm. the music kind of set a mood and uh it was just really neat um i had a lot of fun with it yeah florence is like i really enjoyed it it was the same thing i heard the kind of funny guys talking about it quite a bit decided to to check it out for myself and yeah basically had the same kind of thoughts thoughts on it i would say it's a lot of the same things that we've talked about some of these other story based games just in like you said a really small bite size experience that's only an hour so 
I mean, it's it's worth the money if a game like that. Those are the kinds of games I think should that should be included in with these subscription services because there's mm-hmm. you know there's lots of mobile games yeah. out there that are trying to do a similar type of thing, and you know that's great because it's especially like you said like I like that um, it kind of is it it's clearly designed to be a mobile game. It's not like a game that was on PC and just got a port over. It's, right. It was made and all the mechanics in it are are made for that with with that in mind so i, I really appreciated that um we're, we're i'm just looking at the time i think i'm going to we'll probably just kind of work at wrapping up the show here i don't want to keep you easterners too late here <laughs> <laughs> um so let's kind of let's move on to uh question of the week so Last week's question I asked you guys, what do you prefer more, a game story or the gameplay? Now, I have to apologize because looking back at my previous, so I, I joked on the show, I think, well, Coleman, who's a big fan of the show and, and listens regularly, pointed out to me, I think a couple weeks ago, that I had repeated a question that, because for those of you who don't know, I had question of the week and then in the early days of the podcast, because the listener base wasn't that big, I was I was only getting the same two people responding every week, and then sometimes they wouldn't respond, and then I would have a, a segment that had no other, no, you know, I was just, here's the question, but no one was answering it kind of thing. So I took it away, and then when Adam came back, decided to bring it back, and so I've, I've definitely done, this was another repeat question, so I apologize to those people who have already answered this back in last year or whatever, but um, we had a couple responses. So Alex McD over on Facebook says, just, again, not a lot of elaboration, but gameplay all the way. Adam, you had a couple of responses from a couple other people. Yeah, so a friend of mine, uh, Mike, uh, the only thing he gave me was just a story for sure, <laughs> um, which I'm not surprised by that because he is a guy that's really into games like Edith Finch mm-hmm. and Ethan Carter and you know uh, stuff like that. Yeah. Life is Strange, so not surprised by that. And then my brother Steven responded, and he said um, he, he went with gameplay, um, because he had a couple couple games like Anthem and then Final Fantasy XIV Shadowbringers. He wasn't real wild about the, the story in either of those, but he really liked playing them a whole lot. Um, then he also said um, with No Man's Sky, like he's he's been big into No Man's Sky since it came out. And then, of course, they had those two big updates, you know, over the past two years. And that game has like really not any story to it at Mm -hmm. all you get some bits of lore and and whatnot through exploration but um there's really not much of a story to go off of so i mean that's you know a a gameplay type of game through and through but um definitely something that i know he's he's into but um so yeah those those were the two two responses that i got so one one for story one for gameplay gotcha i i Couple people, I was talking to a couple people. Megan um, said to me because I was asking her, and she said gameplay. I was like, really? Like you, you like good stories. But then I was thinking, she plays so much freaking Stardew Valley and <laughs> Sims and City Skylines and all these simulation or city builders or that kind of stuff. That I'm like, okay, that kind of makes sense. There's not a lot of story in there. Like I, 
that that lines up with what you're kind of going going for. Kyle, what's what do you what are your thoughts? You prefer gameplay or story? So I prefer gameplay, and that is because I think that a story can be passable. I don't think a story needs to be great, but I think if the gameplay is bad, then the whole game just falls apart and isn't enjoyable in any way. Mm-hmm. The sto- story, when it works, is fantastic, and I think it adds on top of the great gameplay. So, you know, we talk- I talked about Fire Emblem earlier in the episode. I think Fire Emblem has a great story and great gameplay. I think that's one of the examples. Whereas some other games, like I know my brother played uh, Astral Chain, and he said the gameplay took some getting used to, but this and the story took a little while to get going. But by the end, he really liked both. So I think that if the gameplay is just terrible to begin with, it doesn't matter how good the story is because I wouldn't want to play that game. I would. It would be such a like a slog to get through, and I wouldn't be enjoying it. Yeah, that's. I, I think that's that's totally fair, Adam. How about yourself? So this was this one was tough for me because um, I have been playing a lot of story-based games here recently, and um, being that most of the games that I've you know my main genre of game is you know RPGs, mostly JRPGs, is um, there's usually pretty heavy story focus on those games. So I thought for a second maybe story, but then I started thinking it's got to be got to be gameplay. Um, you know, just because, you know, you have games, some of my favorite games of all time are Link to the Past and Super Metroid and, you know, the Mario series, and those are all pretty yeah. much just gameplay games. Like, there's not, there's, you know, in some of those games, there's a little bit of story. Mostly with Zelda, you get some story, but, you know, that's not necessarily why you're playing those games. And with Metroid, you know, and Super Metroid, you know, there's really not a whole lot of story there, but... The gameplay is phenomenal. Mario games, uh, those are all super well-polished, great platformers. Um, and then even with, you know, JRPGs, like, yeah, there's, you know, kind of like what Kyle was saying, you know, the story can be passable, but if the gameplay is fun, you have good mechanics to go along with those RPG elements, then that can, you know, make that game really good, um, even if the story is not the best. So I, I think I'm, I'm in the gameplay camp here as well. Yeah, jumping on the JRPG thing, that's ha- that's happened to me a lot with uh, JRPGs, especially. Um, I know with like a game like The Last Remnant, I was into the story, but I hate the gameplay of The Last Remnant, and it completely ruined the experience to the point where I just stopped playing it. And I know they remastered it, and people liked that, but I don't think it, I don't think that game holds up in any way. But where I go back to some of the older like Tales of games, like Tales of Vesperia, Tales of Fantasia, Tales of Symphonia, all those, the gameplay is so good and designed in such a way to where the stories of those games are also great, but if they hadn't focused and taken the time with the gameplay, then it wouldn't have, I wouldn't, wouldn't have stuck around for the 100 plus hours that it takes to get to the end of the story. I wouldn't have had those experiences. Yeah, for for myself, 
I I mean, it's not really going to be that big of a surprise if you've been kind of alluding to it the entire episode, but <laughs> it's it's got to be story for me just based on the fact that a game could be like and try, like I I can attest that I've played some really like janky ass games that just are kind of broken and kind of like uh, a bit of a chore to get through. But if they got like a really captivating story or something, I, I could find myself, you know, pushing through moments like that. I remember in more recent history, I, there was these Sherlock Holmes games that this generation, there was the first one, I think it was called Crimes and Punishments or something like that. Yeah. And then Devil's Daughter. And the game play, like there were some gameplay loops in it that I were actually pretty decent. But then the, and shouldn't just say from a technical perspective, but there were some things that were really rough around the edges um, in terms of that game and what you did it in and stuff. But just interrogating people and solving cases, like, and the story that unfolded, like, I was so interested in that that I just didn't really care too much about the struggle. Now, there is, I do have a limit that if there is a game that is just... I was playing this game earlier this year called The Sinking City, which is actually coincidentally this is by the same developer as the Sherlock Holmes games. Now that I think of it, but it is the story is really cool. It's you're in this world um, that is you know based on like Cthulhu and stuff, and there's a really cool story there. But the gameplay, like getting around, like the map sucked. Um, the fast travel system suck. Like it just had all these gameplay things in it that I didn't really like and sucked. But because the story was so attractive to me, I kind of looked past those things, but I can totally understand why gameplay would be in the majority, just based on the fact that most people play games to have fun. And when a game nails those things um, and those mechanics really well, you're going to have a good time. Now, like you said, Kyle, if it has, awesome story awesome gameplay then you have yourself a great game right there and obviously i'm gonna try and play those games above other ones but um yeah i want i was just interested in that take um to see if anyone had any i just yeah, want to see people's take on that sorry go ahead i i know a lot of people uh you know they really like a lot of heavy story Especially lately, I know, like, you know, God of War, mm -hmm. a great story. Spider-Man had a great story. I'm naming all PS4 exclusives at this point. <laughs> um, but, I mean, those stories, you know, those stories are great. And, you know, I'll throw out Gears 5. I think Gears actually has a good story mm -hmm. if you actually give it the time. But the thing, like, I can't imagine that those games would be as good if the gameplay was just like, oh, hey, press these two buttons over and over and sure. over again. Yeah. yeah. Like, it just, it would take me out of the experience in such a way that it would diminish the value of the game for me to the point where I was just like, eh, it was okay. Um, but, yeah, no, yeah, I, game, I think game, gameplay has to be my winner. But there's also things in gameplay that are a huge issue especially nowadays like hub worlds i don't think we need hub worlds in every game mm -hmm. like yeah let's focus on the story there <laughs> sure less yeah. hub worlds yeah yeah i think just looking back at my play style one of the things that irritate me the most when playing video games is systems that are way too convoluted and um 
you know, overcomplicated, right? When you have so many things in place, menu systems to go through, I just find myself getting so like pulled away from what's going on in the game and what I'm doing in the game, not just from the story, but the actual actions, you know, if, whether it's combat or whatever. And so, you know, even that's why I kind of try, I guess my gameplay style trends more to those experiences that basically just remove all that stuff because then I can just focus on one one kind of thing. But that being said, like I don't get me wrong, I still love, you know, a lot of those system based games. Like I'm I'm excited for Death Stranding and that that looks like there's gonna be a lot of a lot of things uh probably a lot of non important things to the story that I'm probably hopefully going to enjoy. So <laughs> did either of you play uh, Ultimate Alliance three? Uh not no, yet, but not I want yet, to. Yeah. Okay, so I think that is a prime example of where the gameplay is fantastic, and but the story is just like a run-of-the-mill story, mm-hmm. and I love that game. That game is fantastic, <laughs> but it does have those issues that you bring up where they do have some convoluted systems for no reason. Like, they have a whole ISO system in it, and you have to delete nine at a time, but you get, like, hundreds of them at a time, and it is just the biggest grind and pain to go through and delete all of them. There's no delete all button for some reason, (laughs) but the gameplay is, yeah, the gameplay in it is so good and so much fun, especially with friends, that I didn't even, I didn't mind the story or really focus on it. Like, it was there, and I know what happened in it, but it wasn't like, yeah, like, let's go do this. I was like, no, I want to get Spider-Gwen to level 100 sure, so yeah. that she's a beast. Yeah. You know, and that's funny, too, because um, one uh, another kind of prime example that, that comes to my mind is uh, Monster Hunter World. And, Absolutely. Uh, the, the gameplay is just so good in that. Everything's fluid. It's, it's what you expect from Monster Hunter, but... Um, easily digestible it's a little bit more accessible for the the casual gamer and uh you know they like to try and try and throw in some story elements to the game and uh me and one of my friends joke all the time is when you get into these cutscenes and we're trying to skip through them it's like that's not why people play this game like let's go let's let's move it along um because i just want to get to the next the next gameplay but i want to go fight the next monster and everything so yeah i mean that's that's another uh prime example for me why i think gameplay is um you know, more important than the story. Same. I absolutely loved Monster Hunter World. I still have yet. I have it downloaded because it came to Game Pass. And actually, you know, like that game, I don't know what it is. So like my library carries PS4, Xbox One games. And it was a game I'm like, oh, I'm totally on board. I'm going to get this game day one. And then whatever else came out, what year would that have been? 2000? That was last year, wasn't it? 18? I think so, January... I'm trying to no. think what came out last year around that time that was distracting me from it. Anyways, I I totally blew, blew past it, and then I was like, oh, I should take it out from the library. Took it out from the library, had it installed on my PS4, and then never got around to playing it to the point where I had to return the game back. And I actually checked it out a second time, but for the Xbox version, because the PS4 version had holds, and had it installed, and again... didn't get the time to play it because i was busy playing something else and then uh and now it's on game pass have it installed but still have yet to open it up so maybe one of these days i'm gonna check out this game 
that people talk so highly about. <laughs> All right, so this week's question of the week, it's a little bit of a different one. I wanted to do something different. Um, I also am starting to run out of ideas. So um, if you have a question for everyone else, you can maybe suggest it uh, right into the email address, gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com. But this week's question is a little different. Basically, what I wanted to know is what I want you guys, it's not really a question, but I want you guys to, I guess, like, what is the most obscure game you know? So I want you guys to submit games that you think you, that you would be, like, that me, Adam, anyone else on the show, listeners would probably not know, and comment them and then if we don't know them I guess you just get brownie points but I want to just kind of see because I feel like I have some games and you can submit more than one but uh, I have some games that I think you know some people don't know and I I like to think that I'm pretty knowledgeable in a a lot of games out there so if you can stump me then that's going to be impressive so can I shout one out real quick sure go for it Alright, if any, anyone who listens, if you know the game Battalion Wars on the GameCube, shout out to you. That game was awesome. <laughs> Battalion Wars. I'm going to go look that up after the show. <laughs> I never played it, but I know I know the game. Like, I know the name. There you go. Uh, yeah, so if you have a response, of course, you can head over to our Facebook page, Games Are Fun, or on Twitter, at Games Are Fun Pod. The question's posted every single week so you can just comment your answer and then your answers will be read on next week's show um if you want if you don't have social medias you can also email me at gamesarefunpodcast at gmail.com all right so that has been episode number what are we at 67 of games are fun uh adam as always thanks for joining me where can people keep up with you uh you can get me on twitter at adampalooza85 great and Kyle, thank you so much for for joining in on this episode. It's been a yeah, that was awesome. It's been a, yeah, uh, great to have an additional person on uh, on the show. Um, so, where can people keep you keep up with what you're doing? You can follow me on Instagram at it's Kyle, but it's spelled I I I T S K Y L E. Nice, that's awesome. Great. Well, Kyle, thanks again for joining. Uh, hopefully we can have you on another episode, um, maybe on an episode where there's maybe more news and things going on. I was trying to look at some topics we could talk about this week, but it's, it's it, was, it wasn't a lot going on in it the industry. It was a industry. really slow week this week. It was, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe like in the fall, I'm sure there's plenty of games releasing in the next couple months that you're looking forward to, and maybe we can have you yeah. on the show again to, to talk about video games. So. Yeah, absolutely. It was a blast, guys. Great. Uh, So thank you guys so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys next Tuesday.